Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Open our minds and our hearts to hear what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. This is our last message on the book of Acts. How many of you have liked the book of Acts? Pretty cool book, huh? Uh, next week, we're going to begin uh, a little series going through the book of Revelation. So for those of you who are interested in knowing a little bit more about that, uh, we'll be going through the book of Revelation uh, beginning next uh, Tuesday, beginning with the seven churches. So uh, we'll get to that. But for now, let's finish out Acts well, beginning in Acts chapter 9, verse 32. And how many of you know that occasionally Jesus heals people? Isn't that cool? Isn't that something you just want to jump on? Occasionally Jesus heals people. Uh, occasionally, I feel healed or am healed. Occasionally, I've seen my sons healed or my wife healed. But sometimes I haven't. This is a story of when a very obvious, powerful healing occurred under the ministry of the Apostle Peter. It says in verse 32 that as Peter, Peter traveled around the country, he went to visit the Lord's people in Lydda. And there he found a man named Aeneas who was paralyzed and had been bedridden for eight years. Now, be honest with you. How many of you, a week in bed sounds great right now, all right? Kids included. No school, no work. You got somebody bringing ice cream and Sprite to you, you know? You got someone taking your temperature, giving you your vitamins, going out and getting you food, and you just stay in bed, and you clean out Netflix. You watch every movie that's on there, you know? Does that sound good? How about two weeks? Two weeks sound good? Yeah. Three weeks. Four weeks. (laughs) Five weeks. Come on. That's right, Ben. Five weeks, man. A year. He said a year. Come on. Our right, hands down. Century. <laughs> this guy was in his bed for eight years, and he was bedridden, so he couldn't move. He didn't have the option. And when you're bedridden, that's actually a pretty bad place to be. He had to be cared for. He was a burden to his family. Uh, he was probably stinky because he didn't get to shower like everybody else, or bathe like everybody else. He was probably lonely, you know, because after all, on a nice sunny day, the rest of the people, they're out enjoying the day. He's in the house on his bed. Uh, he, he probably has bathroom issues, right? It's a little hard to go to the bathroom when you're bedridden. So we've got all that stuff to deal with, okay? He is not happy. This is a depressed, miserable person who's been in bed for eight years. And Peter said to him in verse 34, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. And immediately, uh, it says, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. And they said, get up and make your bed. Now, how many of you kids, your parents tell you to make your bed? Raise your hands, all right? Okay, The reason they're telling you that, it's in the Bible. Make your bed, okay? So moms and dads can say, it's in the Bible right there. Get up and make your bed. And immediately, Aeneas got up 
and all those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. The result, the focus is not that a man got healed. We'd be doing backflips. Wow, somebody got healed. But what the Bible's talking about is that people turned to the Lord. Now, why does God heal sick people or depressed people or broken people? Is it because God likes some people more than others? Yes, it is. That's why I am healed twice as much as Mark. In fact, maybe four times as much as Mark. He has to live with the fact that God likes me more than him. It's a strain on our friendship sometimes, and we have to work through it. But I assure him that God loves him enough, but he loves me more. Does that that sound good? Does that sound like the God of the Bible? No. Sound like the God in Tom's weird head? Yes. By the way, the people closest to me, they know I actually have two gods. The God of the Bible is one of them. Then there's this kind of other God that, you know, anyway, okay. (laughs) Does God heal people sometimes because they have faith, more faith? No, not really. Because if you think about it, he brought Lazarus out of the grave and Lazarus was dead. He had no faith. Does God heal people because you gave the pastor a personal gift, a real big one, and now all of a sudden God says, oh, since you blessed one of my pastors, now I'm going to heal you. Does he do that? Oh, I sure wish he did, though. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Oh, the fact of the matter is God heals people to show us, to give us a taste to give us a preview, to let us lick the spoon a little bit and show us what heaven is going to be like. Doesn't happen all the time. That's why we call it a miracle, not Monday. But every now and then it happens. It's happened enough in my ministry nearly 15 times I could describe to you a miracle of healing or deliverance or something that had supernatural events happen, things that went outside beyond the natural order of things. Occasionally, it happens. And the reason why it happens is for us to realize God is showing us there are no sick people in heaven. There are no hurting people in heaven. There are no dead people in heaven. There are no depressed people in heaven. There are no poor people in heaven. Occasionally, the kingdom of God breaks into earth to show us where we're going and who God really is and the life that he truly has for us. It's not to be sick and weak and die. It's to be strong, alive, and full of him. Amen? Let's finish it out. Acts chapter 9, verse 36. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, And she was always doing good and helping the poor. She's a Christian woman who serves people and gives money responsibly. And she has a great reputation. You ever around women like that? Uh, 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 Doesn't even have to be older. Just a a woman who's, who's generous and giving, and loving, and serving, and has a great reputation, and every time you're around them, you just feel great. You know, 
That's Tabitha. She's one of these ladies. The church loves her. And all of a sudden, in verse 37, she gets sick and she dies. And her body was washed and placed in the upper room. Why not the grave? Well, I think they were hoping for something here. Verse 38, Lydda, where Peter is, I mean, where Tabitha is. I'm sorry, where, where Peter is. Joppa is where Tabitha is. Uh, Lydda was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent two men. Don't you, don't you love it? They didn't just send one man. Because they figured, you know, one man might not be able to drag Peter by his ankles. But if we send two men, you know, we'll, we'll, they'll, they'll carry him if we have to. Not that Peter would have to be. But I, I like that. They sent two men and urged him to come. Please come at once. In verse 39, Peter went with them, and when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room, and all the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes that, that Tabitha had been made. Uh, last week, somebody gave me a robe. It was awesome. Somebody in our church handmade me a robe, a robe to put over my shoulders when I pray. Like the, like the Jewish rabbis did in the Old Testament. You know, a prayer shawl. And oddly enough, this week, I had, uh, I had some attack coming my way. I had some things going. And uh, I'm trying to pray. But you ever try to pray and all of a sudden you hear the lawnmower going on next door. And the pigeon walking around on the roof. And you start praying and you think about the plane ticket you got to buy and the person you forgot to call and the tv show you want to make sure you record and, uh, and all that and i'm trying to pray and i can't and i'm struggling and i thought you know what i should forget the whole thing i pray enough anyway but 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 i i, I knew in that moment you know i, I was going down a, a bad road in my self-talk and i remember you know what our women's pastor made me a prayer shawl. So I went and I grabbed that thing. I look around, nobody's in the house. To make sure I go, Tanya? Didn't hear anything. But I put it on. I start walking around the house. Praying in the spirit with my hands out. And I start praying in English before the Lord. And all of a sudden, something broke. What they're showing Peter is the same kind of thing. Tabitha had made robes and given them to people. And I experienced that firsthand this week. When somebody gives you something, it can be extremely encouraging. And now that person has passed. In verse 40, Peter takes over. It's okay. I've heard enough. He sends him out of the room. Get out. And he gets down on his knees and prays. And turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. And she opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up and he took her by the hand and helped her to her feet. Isn't that awesome? Not only does she get raised from the dead, but what does Peter do? That's a nice touch, isn't it? He extends his hand and says, let me help you get on your feet. Isn't that wonderful? I think Peter was a real classy guy. And then he called for the believers, and he, especially the widows, and he presented Tabitha to them alive. 
Peter walks out and he says, uh, everybody, the funeral is going to be short. And by the way, Tabitha would like some of the cookies, you know? Uh, so, uh, you know, and she walks out and they're all freaking out. Tabitha's alive. Tabitha's alive. And what happens in verse 42? This became known throughout all Joppa and many believed in the Lord. Once again, the Bible focuses on people turning to the Lord as a result of what just happened. I don't know about you, but I hear many people, we often try to talk people into faith and talking and talking and talking and talking. And, and, and for a lot of people, it can just seem like a lot of words. Okay, words are good, but show me some power. Show me something. I want God not just to talk to me. I need him to make a difference in my life because it's beginning to fall apart right now. I need to experience the Holy Spirit. That's what the book of Acts is all about. We don't just talk people into faith because that can be manipulative or coercive. We experience the power of the Holy Spirit. We experience the power of prayer. We experience the power of love, of encouragement, of all the fruits of the Spirit that the Holy Spirit brings. And then in verse 43, Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tanner named Simon. That closes out Acts chapter 9. That's as far as we're going to go in this series. Ends with Peter staying with a man named Simon who was a tanner. He would not have been allowed to go to church. In the old Jewish law, he dealt with dead animals and skinned them. He was ceremonially unclean. He wouldn't have been allowed to go to church. And Simon chooses him to stay with. See, in that day, the kingdom of God, heaven, was for the good people, the clean people, the ceremonially clean people for sure. They were on the in. If you weren't one of them, Jewish or not, you were not in the kingdom of God. You were considered dirty and bad and simon goes and stays with him maybe another time i'll finish out the story of what happened with simon staying with him but the fact of the matter is simon peter is showing people the kingdom of god why did god revive this woman to show us that there is no death and no dying in God's kingdom? Why does God lead us to forgive other people? To show us that there is no unforgiveness and bitterness in the kingdom of heaven. Why does God lead us to be generous? To show us that God is so generous. Heaven is filled with God's generosity once we get there. Why does God lead us to avoid anger and depression? Because those will not be in the kingdom of God. Why does God lead us to enjoy a mountaintop or a sunset or a music concert? Because the kingdom of God, heaven, will be filled with these things. Why does God lead us to be faithful in marriage? Because there is no infidelity in the kingdom of heaven. Why does God heal? To show us that the kingdom of God has no sickness. Why does God revive the dead? To show us that there are no dead people or dying people in the kingdom of heaven. Occasionally, God breaks through the dimension of earth to show us, to give us a preview, a foretaste of what the kingdom of heaven is like. Aeneas 
was healed. But did he die again one day? Yeah. Tabitha was revived. Which Would she go on to die again one day? Yeah. That's all temporary. When God breaks through, he wants to show us the eternal reality. There will be no more sickness, no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain. It is an existence that we could only imagine. It's incredible. And God offers it to us free of charge. All we have to do is humble ourselves and accept Jesus' offer of forgiveness and you have it forever. To do so, we have to judge ourselves. We have to recognize that we need it. And so having this wonder, I mean, does that sound good to everybody? No sickness, no death, no crying, nobody's poor. You get to eat all the pizza you want and Coke doesn't make you fat. Good? <laughs> plus concerts, plus, uh, I mean, you know, the whole enchilada. Lots of bluegrass. Lots of bluegrass. They got a whole continent devoted to bluegrass on the new earth when it comes. The first thing that Jesus ever preached, he arrives on earth, and what does he say to everybody? The kingdom of God is near, is here, right? Is at hand, is what some of the translation says. The kingdom of God busts into earth through the coming of Jesus. His first and primary sermon is that the kingdom of God is now advancing upon the kingdoms of the earth. And of course, we live life in three dimensions. The life you live now and we see is the physical dimension. We see it, we hear it, we can measure it. It makes the most sense to us. It's what we've always known. It's what we've always been in. That's the physical dimension. The Bible talks about two other dimensions of reality that coexist at the same time, not necessarily the same place, but at the same time as the physical dimension, as our physical universe. The first one is called the celestial dimension or the second heaven. And that is where the angels and the demons and the spirits live. And some in another world and in the celestial world, all right? That's the second uh, dimension, second heaven. And then the third one is called the glorious dimension or the third heaven, which is where who lives? God, right? God lives in the glorious dimension. Uh, one time Paul said, I got caught up to the third heaven and I saw things that would not even be lawful for me to utter. They were too glorious and beyond us. So we live on this physical plane, which is dying and breaking down and, and you know, everything's kind of falling apart in our universe. And God says, for your future, I have a future kingdom for you. And to do so, you got to break out of that physical one. And so it leaves us with a question. How do we get into the kingdom? Well, for a lot of people, I hear them say, if you're good, good person, you'll go to heaven. But if you're a bad person, you won't, right? Good people go, bad people don't. Let me tell you something. The Bible does not teach that. 
even though I've heard many people look me straight in the eye and say it does. It does not. I've really read the thing a lot. I paid $30,000 just to read it. Okay, I've read it a lot. Uh, it is not in there. Nowhere in there. It has nothing to do with being good or bad. So you can relieve yourself of that thought. Uh-oh, I better start acting good so that God will bless me. Uh-oh, I better start acting good so that I'll get into heaven. Uh-oh, I better start going to church so that I can get into the kingdom of God. Doesn't work that way. Doesn't work that way. And I'll show you why in a second here. Because the morality of heaven, life in heaven, existence in heaven is so far beyond earth. There's no utter way we could just be a good boy and try to make it. To illustrate that, it's, it, the best way to illustrate it was something that Bill Bright did uh, years ago. Is he said the morality of heaven is like the distance between the earth and the moon. In order to make it to heaven, by all our good deeds and all our good works, I had a good friend of mine, I <laughs> just, just thought of this, I had a good friend of mine who was telling me uh, he didn't believe in God, but if there was a God, he would, he would for sure make it into the kingdom of God. And I said, why? And he said, because I'm, I'm a good person. And he started to go on this thing about what a good person he was. And I'm listening to him, I go, you know what, you're right. Instead of going to church on Sunday, why don't I come to your house this Sunday? We'll sit and have breakfast, and you can continue telling me how good you are, you know? Uh, and he's like, oh, let's not get carried away. Let's not go too far, you know? Because deep down, we know that the glory of heaven is on the moon. It's like being on the moon. And to try to get there in our own human effort would be like trying to jump from the earth to the moon. Now, the moon is 284, six, something like that, thousand miles from the earth. At best, the, the, the best human jumper, you know, could jump maybe two or three feet. But some of you may be able to jump higher than that. So uh, I want to have a couple of kid volunteers. Kid volunteers, come on up here right now. Come on, it, okay. It's going to be worth this if you win. A couple of kid volunteers, come on up right now. (laughs) All right. Now, now, Alex, come up for a sec. Okay. I, I, I knew this would shake him out. All right, Alex, go ahead and hold that. All right. You got you to jump higher than Pastor Tom. You think you can do it? All right. You, you think I can jump high? I can jump high. All right. Don't do what I did to you. All right. Are you ready? You ready? Ooh. ooh that was like right, right there? About right there? All right. All right. So, Daniel, can I get a little bit of music? Any music? And uh, go ahead and form a line. Go down this aisle. Go down this aisle here. Form a line. Form a line, form a line, form a line. And uh, Alex is going to be down here with the stick. And we are going to see how high you can jump. All right? Daniel, any song will be good. You ready? As soon as you hear the music, Caleb, you'll be first. As soon as you hear the music, 
There we go. And come on, give it your best jump. Let's see how high you can get. Ooh, not bad, not bad. All right, go sit down, go sit down. Come on up. Hey, that not bad at all either. All right, Lauren, you got this, kiddo. Boom, not bad at all. You got about halfway up. Come on. Show us how high you can jump. Oh, she did a little bit of uh, splits action. That, that might have some more brownie point. Thomas. Ooh, it's because he's named Thomas. All right, come on up. There you go. Yep, you got to kick those knees up. Come on up. Come up, sweetheart. You got it. Yeah, she did a little pump fake before. Lucas. Oh, you almost punched me in the face. All right, Dane, you got it. The great Dane. All right, Chase. Oh, oh, about halfway. All right, Landon, you got this, buddy. Boom, yeah. All right, Kate, the great Kate. One, two, three, go. Yeah. You ready for this? All right, Lexus. Boom. All right, Danica, you got this? Ooh, close. No one's beat me yet, but close. All right, Ty, you got, no, you got, you got to do it down there. Yeah, it was a good, that's a great thought, though. That's a great thought. <laughs> Oh, all right, Jonathan. Oh, the kicking up. Hold on, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. You got a broken arm. Oh, come here, come here, come here, come here. All right, on the count of three. One, two, three. Whoa, yeah, right there. All right, Ethan. Jump. Yeah, good job, buddy. All right, Nasiana, give us a big jump. All the way. All the way. There you go. Kick it up. Come on. Kick it up. You got it. One foot up. One foot up. There you go. No. no. Oh. All right. Good job, Maddie. You got this, Maddie. Boom. Oh, <laughs> you did this last time, didn't you? You got it. You, you got practice. There you go. Beautiful dress, by the way. Good job, Caleb. All right, well, I was the highest, right? So I get it. I win. I mean, you know, you want to try? Yeah, you're. Well, I did it for Zoe, so I got to do it for you. On a count of three. One, two, three, go. No, 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 no. Your foot's broken enough. All right. All right, Tyler. I think I think I think he got the most. Good job, buddy. What what's my point in all this? As high as they could jump. Did he jump to the moon? No. What is God trying to tell us in the Bible? It's not about good or bad. Not that you're so good or that you're so bad. We do not have the ability or the capacity to live forever as we are. All right? We don't. You cannot earn it. 
You cannot buy it. You cannot sneak in. The way we are born, right? In heaven, there's no sickness. Do we get sick? Yes. Yes, we do. In heaven, there's no dying people. Are we dying? Yes. In heaven, there's no poor people. Are we poor? Everybody's thinking about that one, you know. (laughs) You know, I mean, see the point? It's not about our ability. It's about the fact that we do not have the capacity to live forever. The heart of the gospel is this. God recognizes that. God knows that. God knew that from the very beginning. He knew what the effects of a sin-filled world would be. And that's why I went to the cross. His death is the cocoon that we get to enter in. And we come out changed, transformed. And God left us an example in nature to never forget. It's the example of the caterpillar becoming a butterfly. The caterpillar may say to you, I'm going to fly. I'm going to fly. But what would you all say to the caterpillar? No, you can't fly. You don't have any wings. You do not have the capacity for flight, just like we do not have the capacity to live forever in God's kingdom. We either must be changed or transformed, or there's no way we'll ever enter it in. All the awesome blessings I just talked about, the awesome world that I just described, we do not have the capacity the way we are to get in. We must have God change us and transform us. That is what the cross is all about. When we die and go into that grave, the grave is not a sealed casket. It's a temporary cocoon. And one day we will rise out of it. And we will all go and meet with Jesus face to face. Where? In the kingdom of God. Does that sound good? So we've got one more game for you to kind of introduce this. And uh, Brooke and Alex are going to come up. And uh, kids, I hope you're ready to have fun with toilet paper. Not TPing my house, as has been suggested in the past. Um, But for those of you kids who would, wow, can I have some? Brooke's going to take over from here. Each of you guys are going to get one roll. What is this? Toilet 
Go on down the aisles. Go on down the aisles. After you get your toilet paper, go on down the aisles. I don't want to hurt a bum leg here. All right, you're good, Tom. Stay right here. Under your arm. He's gonna. All right, Thomas. It's to the people behind. I'm looking for the guy who's asleep with his mouth open. Bill Fetzer. I think next time we'll have to do saran wrap. 
but you'll never forget this. <laughs> when the kid goes, no, I'll forget it by lunch. <laughs> Hey, you know what? For a guy who's got a broken foot, I think that deserves a round of applause right there. I mean, come on, man. You did a good job, Ben. Last service, one of the kids goes, oh, you want us to dress up like mummies? <laughs> no, it's a cocoon. <laughs> it's a cocoon. <laughs> No, no, you guys, you guys are good. <laughs> Keep the unused rolls of toilet paper. Yeah, I got a, I got a family that can put that all to good use. Several times a day. Whoa, 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 whoa. There is no house that Pastor Tom lives in that you know about. I don't think you're going to TP our own house. Actually, you might, so let's not give him any ideas. <laughs> hey, as, as chaotic as that can be, does everybody get it? Everybody get it? You're all so good and so talented and so beautiful and so smart. And yet, even on our best day, the distance we got to cover to enter into the kingdom of God on our own merit is the distance between the earth to the moon on our own steam. At best, we could jump four, five, six feet high, some of us. But 286,000 miles, we need help. And Jesus has promised to help us. Why does God occasionally heal people? To give us a foretaste, a preview of what the kingdom of heaven will be like. How do we get there? By asking Jesus to come into our heart, trusting him, and doing what Aeneas and Tabitha did. Turning to the Lord and trusting in him for our eternal life. Amen? Bow your heads with me real quick. Close your eyes. We've talked about the awesomeness of the kingdom of God. We've talked about how awesome heaven is. There are no sick. There are no dying. Revelation 21 verse 4, listen to this, says this. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death nor mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. That's where we live now. We live in the old order of things. The Bible is trying to tell us there is going to be a new order of things, a whole new physical universe, a whole new existence where the glorious and celestial plane combines with the physical. It's all one dimension instead of three separated at this moment. He will wipe every tear from our eyes. No more death, 
no more crying, no more pain. All because of Jesus. All because of what he did on the cross. He allows us to go into the cocoon and be transformed. Transformed into a human being that can now live forever. That is now immortal. And you know, I think you either believe it or you don't. I'm not going to try to talk you into it. I don't think I could. It's either something we believe or we don't. And this morning, I pray that the Holy Spirit would open the eyes of all of our hearts to receive and to rejoice in that word. So this morning, if you believe Jesus and what he says, and you're going to say, I want to make Jesus my Lord and Savior, I want to ask him for forgiveness of my sins. I recognize I do not have the capacity to just walk into heaven, to just walk into that glorious dimension. I need God's help. I need God's forgiveness. I need God's resurrection. Jesus said, I am the resurrection of the life. I need it. What I'd like you to do this morning is rather than look up at me, rather than raise your hands, I would like you to stand by families. Stand by families. Let your kids see that you need this and you want this as much as you want it for them. Let your wife see that you're going to stand for this just as much as she's standing for it for herself. Let the heavenly host who's looking down upon our church this morning see that you are standing by faith for eternal life in Jesus. If that's what you'd like to do this morning, then go ahead and stand with me right now. Stand up by families. And don't feel coerced. If you want to think about it, stay sitting. If you want more information, stay sitting. Come make an appointment with me. But if you want to join Aeneas, if you want to join Tabitha, if you want to join Peter, If one day you want to see Jesus face to face and say, you are my Lord and my God. We say it now, this side of heaven. So that two seconds after we die, we are ushered in to a glorious kingdom where there is no anger, no depression, no sickness, no dying, no poverty, nothing. For the old order of things has passed away. 